You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. If you enter my mind for any reason, I will twist your head off and use it for a chamber pot. Are you going to arrest me, Garibaldi? No way. I want to live to see the future. Mr. Bonova, Mr. Shelf, anybody else? Shoot him. We are star stuff. We are the universe made manifest, trying to figure itself out. All of us was for nothing. Unless we go to the stars. Sooner or later. Boom! Hello, and welcome to the Epsilon 3, a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Each week, we review an episode of the 1990s sci fi TV classic Babylon 5. This week, Season 1, Episode 21 Legacies. I'm Paul. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. And, and we are the Epsilon 3. And the synopsis. A Mimbari war cruiser comes to Babylon 5 to display the body of a recently dead Mimbari leader, which then disappears while Ivanova and Talia battle for the fate of a young girl with newly discovered telepathic powers. This episode was written by DC Fontana and directed by Bruce Seth Green. This episode was released on July 20th, 1994 and takes place in July 2258. Guest stars John Vickery as Neroon, Grace Una as Elisa Belden, Josh Cox as Tech David Corwin, Patrick Thomas O'Brien as the cart owner. Patrick O'Brien, now there's a good Irish name. <laughs> Patrick Thomas O'Brien, please. <laughs> Tommy O'Brien. O'Brien. Paddy, Paddy Thomas. Okay, guys, so what do we think about this episode? Anybody? It was it that bad? <laughs> <laughs> um, it it, uh, it it was it was an all right episode. Um, I, I believe the pacing was a little bit off, but it was it was it was decent. It had uh, some good information in it. Uh, it it's fun how uh, they stuck the Elisa telepath girl in there just so she could solve the mystery at the end. Um, so that seemed kind of forced, but uh, you know, it was it was okay. It was okay. Wow. Okay. Um, Dan? <laughs> I, I kind of enjoyed I, I, two thirds of this. I really enjoyed. I enjoyed all the Delenn stuff and I enjoyed all the Minbari stuff. I enjoyed all of Sinclair's kind of um, gubbins that he was going through. And I kind of enjoyed the um, Ivanova, Talia sort of matching off against each other. The bit I didn't enjoy is, yes, the shoehorned in girl that we didn't really need um, who... It's, it's sort of, I don't know, sucking the bad acting away from Talia. I actually enjoyed Talia in this episode. <laughs> Whereas, uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the I'm going to miss you. And it's like, all right, okay, we only knew you for like three hours. That's, <laughs> that's, I'll never forget you. Okay, just piss off already. Just get get out. Um, yeah, there, there were a few moments where it just sort of threw me out. But overall, like the story itself of this episode, I really enjoyed and, uh, you know, I think I would come back to this as an episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I didn't say I didn't enjoy it. Hmm. But, yeah, it was it was OK. It had its moments. It had its uh, not so good moments, like you mentioned. Hmm. But it was it was OK. Yeah, yeah. it was decent. I think it, I think it was a very good Minbari um, world building episode. It was 
another look into their mm-hmm. their ways and their and their um, beliefs. Um, so it sort of fleshed out the the Mimbari character a bit more. Mm. So this uh, Mimbari war hero's body arrives on a massive warship, which uh, Sinclair says he he'd rather hoped he wouldn't see again. Which is my airplane moment for the episode. There's when he has the, the wartime flashback. I was kind of half, half expecting him to just throw like a, a juice into his eyes, like he's got a drinking problem because of it. It was just it was just on the verge of an airplane moment there. Yeah. Garibaldi's about to shoot himself with the PPG, but then he walks out the room and it's all good. <laughs> it arrives with its gun ports open, which is a little bit threatening, but it's all part of the tradition. Not threatening at all, said Delan. She's um she's got this way in season one where she doesn't quite explain the etiquette mm-hmm. in time. Right, it's always just last minute. I'm not entirely sure I like Delaine in season one. She's very very tardy with her uh, with her, her useful information. If she just send you know a little email, maybe a day ahead, that would be really nice. Uh, question for you guys. Um, having a, a memory block here, do we have we heard about the gun ports being opened before in previous episodes? It comes from the uh, very first episode, I believe. I think it's the um, the, the, the pilot, is it? I think. Uh, oh, no, sorry. I beg your pardon. It is not. It's in the beginning. In the beginning? Okay. So yeah. it's a different episode that we haven't gotten to yet. That's right. I think that's the, um, the second pilot, isn't it? The second film, which they sort of then bolt onto the end of the season, the end of the, se- uh, the five seasons. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, but they, yes. In the beginning, there's a misunderstanding about open gun ports on an Mimbari war vessel. Uh, that's how the whole war starts. And that's how the whole war starts, yeah, that's right. right. So it, it okay. sort of is and it isn't, um, depending on which order you're watching these things in. Okay. Mm. Yeah, given it's been 10 years since the war, and the war was, what, three years? That's 13 years for them to at least learn, oh, when it turns up, the gun ports are going to be open, so maybe don't react. It's <laughs> fine. It's all right. But the body goes missing. Dun, dun, now, dun. I thought it was guarded by the Mimbari. I'm, I'm, I haven't had a chance to go back and watch this again. Yeah. So mm. that's, that's what they right. said. Yeah. Yes, because they, they yeah. didn't want the humans to guard it because they're humans. <laughs> so it was going to be a Mimbari guard detail on the station. And, and then the rune, the, the bumpy-headed, uh, pointy-headed uh, Mimbari guy, the, the belligerent uh, bugger there, he, he, he blames uh, Sinclair and, and Garibaldi for it. I know. And I, it was <laughs> his guard detail. I know they didn't yeah. point that out. I mean, I know there's a bit of diplomacy going on here, but at the same time, come on, you know, if mm. he was guarding it, then surely he would know that. You know, does he, does he not trust his own people? Is it, <laughs> you know, does, does he not sort of go and ask them, sort of, you know, what happened? Well, um, uh, well, you know, it was us that did it. Um, some <laughs> of our guys, Len, told me not to say anything. You know, just instantly blames. Them. So, so how did how did the you know, the Earth people get past his guards? And if they, well, he should have sacked them all if that was the case. What's? Oh, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, something didn't add up there. It just mm. seemed very contrived. Considering we see like how they did it as well with the little triangle stun thing that they had. <laughs> yes. You know, the the guards were frozen in position. They were just you know stuck there. Surely someone would have noticed that. Yes. Yeah. But. Um, they then have to go around and sort of ask everybody, you know, where's the body? So they go to the Narn, the highest Narn on mm-hmm. the ship, Natoth. Where's, where's your car? <laughs> he's, he's been missing all season. Yeah. He's not here yeah, again. He's very indisposed. But she says, oh, well, maybe uh, this other race has got it. You know, maybe the body's been eaten by carrion. So they have mm-hmm. to go to the uh, lower decks Hot and find uh, 
The sort of what, sorry? Pac Mara. The, the Pac Mara. That's the one. I, I mm. don't remember the name. So, yeah, so they, <laughs> I like the way they, they sort of threaten to uh, pump the stomachs to see whether mm. they've eaten it or not. I thought, oh, that was, that's a good play. That, that's, a, that's a really good bluff. No, they actually <laughs> do it. I mean, that's, that's really, yeah. Gross. Surely, well, not only is it gross, I'm sure it, it must break some sort of diplomatic rules. Surely? Yeah. You would. Exactly. Like, how much power has Garibaldi got? Yeah. It depends on the well. episode. Yeah. Well, I think also the fact that they, they have uh, Naroon there as well. So he's, he's got to do it just to prove that it wasn't the, uh, the Earth people. Mm. Yeah, they get more threats from Naroon then. But we, we move on to the, uh, sort of the, uh, the second uh, story, the B-plot, about uh, this thief who uh, takes a mind burst when she tries to steal a, uh, a bit of a, <laughs> bit of jewellery or whatever it is, a bit of costume jewellery. Uh, turns out she's got uh, latent t- telepathic powers, which have awakened during puberty. Um, a good bit in um, in the um, in the med lab uh, here with the doctor, where uh, we have mm. um, Talia and uh, Ivanova obviously fighting over uh, the girl, you know, saying they both want her for, for obvious reasons. Talia wants her for a, uh, for a psychopath, for a, for the psycho. Same thing, yeah, same thing. And of course, Ivanova doesn't want that because of what happened to her mother. So uh, there's a bit of a fight going on there. But then the doctor, you know, he says, "Oh, she's coming with me." No, she's coming with me. And the doctor says, "No, no, she's staying right here. I'm the doctor. I outrank you. Bugger off." As soon as we find out who she is, I'll arrange for her transport to Earth. A psycho rep can meet her there. Negative. She was committing a theft when she went down. She's under station jurisdiction until that is dealt with. She's not going anywhere. You're not being reasonable. Fine. It's my call, and I'm making it. Excuse me. But until this is resolved, she is still my patient, and I'm ordering you out. Both of you. So that was good. I thought that was him uh, doing exactly what he can do and should do, and that's basically protecting his, his patient, his, his care of duties to her. Uh, and Sinclair backs Ivanova uh, due to her mother's case. So it's, uh, it's good to see that he's, he's you know, backing his friend, his friend and colleague um, over the cycle. Mm. Yeah, and considering that last week we looked at TKIO, um, on on the show, and you know, I, I was worried that Ivanova was being held back or being forced into a position against sort of her will. She was being forced into it or guilt tripped into it. Whereas this one, she was she had her own agency, she had her own reasons for doing this, and then she was backed up by somebody. And I think that I, I appreciated that more in this episode because of TKO and because of what she went through in the previous episode. Whereas in that one, I felt like they were all sort of leaning on her and pressurizing her to do something as opposed to her deciding to do it for herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Ivanova tells um, uh, uh, Lisa about her mother's experience with the psycho. Um, and then she, she says, well, you know, you have other options. You don't have to go with either of us. You, you could try somewhere else. So they take around, um, you know, as many alien races as they can. I mean, the place is full of alien races, isn't it? I mean, there's hundreds of different races there. We see them all the time walking around. And uh, there's a number of them on the council. So, of course, they start with... Uh, uh, the, the Narns, uh, so they go to the highest ranking uh, Narn there, Natoth, again. Um, but I, <laughs> um, I, I, I love the way that she sort of, you know, she tries to you know, convince her and, and you know, obviously it makes it sound really nice. And, you know, I'd love to see an alien planet. I'd really like to see it. I almost can if I could. I'll talk to you later. 
Please. I have to lie down. I hope that isn't a sign of some frailty in her. Why don't you check her teeth while you're at it? Think that's a good idea? I suggest you leave, Natoth, promptly. You've made your offer. Tell her I expect her answer soon. Good idea about the teeth. Yeah, that was fun. I that love was good. that. And it's brilliant <laughs> acting. I love... Um, Oh, her name's just shot out of my mind just as I saw it. Julie Caitlin Brown? Or Julie is Caitlin it... Brown, yes. Yeah. yeah, I love her acting. Even with all that uh, prosthetics on the face, or you know, around, she's got an amazing ability to act straight through it and mm. great facial um, uh, reactions to what she's, what she's saying. Uh, this and in the next episode, which we'll come to later as well. But I, I just love her. I think she's brilliant. They should use more of her. And a scene where there's three strong women all put in together. You've got Natoth, you've got Ivanova, and you've got Talia, and they're all coming at it with their own agendas. And they're it's just a brilliant scene for you know three women in sci-fi for the nineties. Mm-hmm. A fantastic moment in in an episode. That's a good point. I've never even thought of that because and they're not talking about a man, so they exactly they, they pass the Bechtel test. Yeah, exactly. And and Franklin is there, but he you know stands back. He's he's got his medical opinion, but. These three women have all got their own sort of power base and agenda. They've got comedy, they've got drama, the conflict between all of them. It's not forced, and it all makes sense in that episode and that part. And I totally agree with you guys, but don't forget who wrote this. Exactly. DC Fontana, where she's she not only is she mm-hmm. brilliant at writing um, uh, good character pieces, uh, she's good mm-hmm. at bringing in female, strong female characters. So this oh, yeah. was. This was a, I mean, she yeah. should have written more of these episodes because there's a, this, this, this show, I'm re- really surprised watching this again. It's just how many female characters there are in this and how many times they have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, alone uh, on the screen time um, mm-hmm. because, because of the time that it was made. I mean, this is well ahead of its time. And also when we go to the next uh, uh, alien to, uh, the, you know, to try to induct Elisa, it's the Mimbari. And of course we have Delenn. So we have the same thing there. <laughs> we have, you know, again, you know, three uh, women, is it three? I can't remember who, who was there now. Um, but yes, they have you know strong female characters again, uh, and that's it. Out of all of these hundreds of aliens that she could have picked from, they only show it two. Well, they they needed to show the two because uh, we learn here, of course, that the Narn are the only major race without telepaths, and then we see uh, the Mumbari because we see Delenn, and that's how we get the uh, the catalyst for the end of the story. Uh, this is true. This is true. But uh, I just thought it was funny that they they keep it in house and only only show the two uh, the two main actors. Uh, sorry, characters uh, that are mm-hmm. around at the time. Uh, but yes, of course, we uh, go back to uh, the fact that Elisa has sort of felt this thing from Dylan and and she, she sees images of what is because she wants to look what it, what is like in in um, uh, in the Mar- in the Mimbari homeworld. But of course, she sees other things. And she sees who actually took the body um, mm-hmm. of uh, the Membari war hero. She obviously tells um, Ivanova, and obviously she then tells Sinclair. And of course, they managed to uh, find out that it was in fact Dylan who took the the body. What did you guys think about this? I mean, that, I mean, that, this I hadn't seen this for a while, so it, it did slightly catch me. Uh, mm-hmm. a little yeah, bit, I. I I'd forgotten as well. I, I knew there was something. I just couldn't remember exactly what it was uh, because instead of having the body on display, had to turn it into ashes because originally he was religious cast and that's what they do. And that's why we've got a rift between the casts. Not, not just um, religious cast and that's what they do, but also it was his, uh, the mother's cast takes pre- precedent in the funeral wishes, which is something we find right. out 
and uh, she was obviously religious caste, so therefore it was handed down from that side of the family. Because I think her father was was he warrior or was he? I believe so. Yeah, father was warrior. Yeah, yeah and then mother was religious. So it goes yeah. on the religious, which is which is again an unusual thing. You know, following the female line of of uh, mm. uh, the president in the funeral wishes going that way. And again, this episode is just just dripping with DC Fontana. Yeah. You know, when you think of all the stuff she brought to Spock and the Vulcan culture and, you know, there were rituals, there were um, burial rites, there were, you know, the procession when they first bring the body onto Babylon 5. She can write a believable ritual society and then create drama around it and give us strong female characters all the way through. And it's always the female characters and the mother's uh, beliefs and caste system takes precedent over... The men um so it just throughout the episode it's all these strong female influences the whole way through so you can definitely tell that it's dc fontana uh, and when you think of you know a mock time from uh, star trek and it's you know uh, you had to pow you had to pring and they are so strong in that episode you can definitely see that her writing is there absolutely that, that's pretty much how the episode uh, ends really uh, except we've got uh, we've got susan and talia they go for drinks so they're trying to heal their riffs and we learn that Alyssa sees the word chrysalis in Delenn's mind. I wonder what that could mean. Maybe, uh, maybe we should speculate on that after a promo for another podcast right here on the ESO Network. Helm reports. Sir, there's Klingons on the starboard bow. Starboard bow? Starboard bow. What are they doing there? They seem to be waiting for the new episode of Earth Station Trek. Science, what do we know about this Earth Station Trek? It's a podcast that tracks through the history of Star Trek, from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. Navigation, how would one find such a podcast? By setting coordinates for EarthStationTrek.com or by doing a sensor sweep of Spotify, iTunes, or any other quadrant where fine podcasts are available. Captain, what are we going to do about the Klingons? We come in peace, Commander. Weapon station, shoot to kill. Shoot, shoot to, to kill. kill! Shoot to kill! This episode establishes in canon that if a Mimbari's parents are of a different caste or clans, the funeral rites of the mother's side takes precedent. According to Babylon 5, in the beginning, a misunderstanding about open gun ports on a Mimbari war vessel is also the cause of the Earth-Mimbari war. And uh, Elisa Belden was born in Los Angeles to Elliot and Esperanza Belden on July the 12th, 2244. Okay, Sean, any Star Trek connections apart from the obvious? There is one Star Trek connection this week, and it's John Vickery, who I believe was the guy who played Maroon, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, he uh, he was in uh, Star Trek Enterprise as Prosecutor Oric in the episode Judgment. He was in Deep Space Nine as Gull Reset in three episodes, and in the Next Generation, he played Andrus Hagen in the classic, amazing, best episode of all time, Night Terrors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you sarcastic wit, you! Oh, oh, you you picked that up? Okay, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, very good. Yes, yeah, mm. quite a, well. He played, he played uh, Gul Rasot uh, three times, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's, that's exactly so, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's he's been around a bit in the old Star Trek universe. Okay, uh, anything else you guys want to talk about before we go on to our ratings? I just think it's very convenient that uh, when a Mimbari wants to cremate someone, they keep them in urns that look precisely like human urns. It's very interesting. Um, so that they knew what exactly Delenn was doing in the end. You know, they, they uncover the plot and they just open up these things. It's like, you something you want to tell us? 
they just look like human ordinary cremation urns. There's no like alienness about them or maybe that anything well, maybe unusual. That's it, to sort of throw people off the scent, just in case they got caught at the last ah. minute, they could say, "Well, no, this is a human urn. These are human ashes." Yeah. That's very true. Very true. Uh, other, yep. other than that, I can't no. think of anything else. No. I, I was just going to say it's because it's like in Star Trek how they have uh, that theory of parallel planetary development, how mm. some things are very much the same. So maybe all species have the same kind of urn. Here's one, here's one for Dan. <laughs> What's a Mimbari urn? <laughs> as much as he gets paid. Yeah, about £3.50 an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's an old Morecambe and Wise show. What's a Grecian urn? Well, about £3.50 an hour. Uh, uh, anyway. Um, okay, so uh, ratings. Um, IMDB has this at 7.2. Now, we rate our, our episodes out of five because it's Babylon 5. Well, so that equates to a 3.6 on our scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, what, uh, what did you have uh, for yours? Well, at, f- at first, I was going to actually come in at a four because I really enjoyed all of the interactions on all the characters and you know the believable side of Ivanova and Talia. Talia, I thought, was actually quite good in this episode as opposed to other episodes where she's sort of been brought in as an exposition dump and then moved out the picture. Um, Sinclair and uh, Naroon having their kind of differences and coming to blows and then finally having their understanding. It was a nice sort of turnaround for those two characters who have been antagonistic from the start. Uh, Delenn's little plan that she puts her beliefs above, you know, the, the warrior cast and we see that friction. That was all great. And then there was the Alyssa acting, which just kind of kept taking me out of it. Every time we went back to her, it just wasn't right. And I think if it had just been a different younger actor, it might have been done a little better and it kept taking me out. So from four, I'm going to come down to 3.75. Sean, what did you think? Uh, Well, I pretty much agree with everything that uh, Dan just said. Um, And I was trying to think of my rating as well. And basically I'm giving it a 3.5. So it's a seven, pretty close to IMDb. Um, the, The Alyssa stuff, it didn't need to be in the episode at all. They could have figured out a different way to find out that uh, Delenn was the, the ashes creator and the body stealer and all that stuff. Um, I, I like that we, uh, we got the gun ports open and, and the cast stuff and, and all the history in the background. And we learned about the Narns not having uh, telepaths and we learned who the Pakmara are and just all that good background world universe building. But yeah, the, the, the pacing was a bit weird and the, the acting was, spotty so 3.5 okay fair enough um i'm going slightly higher than you guys because i can give the Alyssa acting um a pass because she's a 14 year old girl so Mm. therefore she wouldn't be confident around people she wouldn't you know she's put from down below as well she's you know she's been struggling to survive down there you could make her a little bit harder because you know she might be a little bit tougher because she's where she's from but she's also a 14 year old actress so therefore you, unless you've suddenly got a, a child star on your hand, you're not going to get a, a, you know, a, a sort of a fully fledged, uh, in-depth actor at the age of 14. Uh, just look at the early Harry Potters. So I think um, as a 14-year-old girl, she works works good. If she'd been trying to be 16, 18, or if she'd been trying to be 11 or 12 or something um, and still be a 14-year-old actress, then that might have been different. But I think she sort of acted her age. Uh, mm. quite well she didn't try to outdo herself so i'm going to give this a four uh which is like if you like an eight out of ten 
because I, of all the, of everything else that you guys said, uh, you know, I, I loved the, the the background that we got from uh, from the Membari. Um, I like the uh, the ending where the two antagonists come together and, and shake hands at the end of the day, and you know, it's a great bit of diplomacy. It's um, it's good to see because they both know that they have to make this you know work, otherwise all hell's going to break loose, and we, we can't have another war, even though that you know they're both ex army or ex whatever they would be, I suppose. Um, ex-military, let's say. So, yeah, so I liked it. I liked it quite a lot. Very good. You're very generous. Mm. Mm. I, I am a bit, yeah. I'm feeling in a good mood uh, for some reason. <laughs> Don't forget that uh, all three of us appear on another podcast called the Cosmic Pizza Podcast, which you can find on the ESO Network or anywhere else you get your, your podcast from. We discuss anything and everything. We serve you a slice of life. So that is the end of this episode. Uh, join us again next week when we'll be discussing Season 1, Episode 22, Chrysalis. Wait, wait, did, hmm. did somebody mention Chrysalis? Mm, possibly. Oh. I think someone's writing this. Uh. Mitch, get back to Central. Tell them to narrow the search. Yes, Don, sir. you and Justin check green too. Doc, just coming to see you. Any results on those tests? Yeah, I just got him back from the lab. Next time, you can do the stomach pumping of a Pac-Mara. Had to burn two lab codes. Forget ever getting the smell out of them. You didn't find anything? No, oh, no. The curian eaters, they ate something. Definitely. Just not Minbari. Are you sure you tested all of them? Absolutely. So, where do you look now, Mr. Garibaldi? In the beams and rafters between hulls. It's the only place left. Thanks for your help. Right. Oh, by the way, you know what they say Narn tastes like? Yeah, chicken. Man, I really need a vacation. If you have any thoughts on this episode, why not send in some feedback to the epsilon3 at gmail.com. That's three spelled T-H-R-E-E, not the number. Or you can find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Epsilon 3. And lights and good night. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.